uh, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, I want to talk to you, a little bit interesting, I want to talk to you about smelling Christ. Probably never heard a sermon title that way, I was thinking about what other titles, but I just had to stick with that. Smelling Christ, smell Him, we've talked about seeing Christ, see Him, we've talked about cherish Him, and we want to talk about smell Him, but how many people know what death smells like. Let's just show our hands. How many people have ever had a dead rat in your house? Let's see, all across. Look at this, it's Louisiana. Everybody. Uh, uh, you know what it smells like, right? When you have that smell of something dead in your house, and you, what does it do to you? Man, it just, it just, your face scrunches up, and you're like, oh man, and you have to leave the room, or something like that, or you've come up on something dead. Uh, and how many people know that this doesn't work? Just go get the air freshener, and just spray it in the room, right? Because why? Now you have like two smells, and they mix together, and it's bad. It's even probably worse than before because now you're smelling like dead rat potpourri, right? You know, it's like, no, why, why, you have to deal with the death, right? You got to deal with the dead thing, and then you need to come in there with that Febreze or that air freshener and then get a stronger smell, to fill the room, right? I want to talk to you about that. Dealing with death and having something that rises above it. Uh, you see, in the Christian life, it's very much the same way. This world, sometimes it offers you nothing but the smell and the stench of death. We, we look around all the things that the world has to, has to offer. Everywhere around you look, it's dark, it's dim, it's destruction, it's negative, it's divided, it's hate-filled. Uh, the world has nothing to offer us but that. Maybe today you've come through loss or testing or trials. Uh, sometimes we can go through persecution in ways that maybe uh, you would understand of being missed over for things or being made fun of or maybe being excluded from things in your family or your job. And it's easy for those smells, I'm speaking metaphorically, to overwhelm you. It's easy for the things you go through that are not so nice in this life to affect you like that smell. It makes your face sour. It makes your spirit sour. It makes you want to flee that situation. It makes you want to run from it. Or it makes you just gringe within. How many people know what I'm talking about? Things in life can really affect your spirit. Things in life can affect your emotion. Things in life can make you want to give up and get out of there. But if we want to go through it, we've got to deal with death and make a stronger aroma that overcomes. The question I want to ask you this morning is I want you to think with me just for a minute. Think about a moment that was really hard for you to worship God. Think about a moment, just real quick, think about a moment that may have been really hard for you to overcome what you were going through. And it might have been a loss in your life. It might have been a moment when you were disappointed. It might have been a moment where you were in immense pain, and it was really hard to overcome that pain and worship God. What was it? What were you going through in that moment? Maybe it was a persecution. You know, all around the world today, there are Christians who are really dealing with the dark things, the stench of this world. There are Christians right now in Africa today that are worshiping with fear of Muslim extremists. 
There are Christians in, in India today that their pastor just a couple of weeks ago was taken out and beaten in the street. There's even the last couple of weeks, there was a pastor in China who got sentenced for nine years in prison uh, for worshiping the Lord. Maybe in the Western world, we don't have that threat of death and the reality, but we do deal a lot of times when, when things are so dark and so dim that it affects our soul, our spirit, and it's very hard to overcome that stench this world offers us, and lift up something greater uh, to God. What is it that we have in our life that's going to help you overcome the stench of death and offer something higher? When was a moment in your life that you've overcome a difficulty to worship God? If there's anything I want you to get after today, it's this, is that Jesus has dealt with our death, and he's perfumed our praise. Let's just say that together, that Jesus dealt with our death and perfumed our praise. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, let's read together. New American Standard is what I'm in this morning, and it says this, And to the angel or messenger of the church in Smyrna, write this, the first and the last who was dead. Everybody say dead. And has come to life. Say this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you'll be tested. And you'll have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death. That's good news, right? Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Let me give you the background about this letter. Smyrna is the town the Apostle John is writing to. John is on the Isle of Patmos. Jesus Christ has visited him in his prison, and John is writing back to seven churches in modern-day Turkey. And the second church that he writes to is Smyrna. Smyrna is about 40 miles away from Ephesus. And Smyrna was this ancient city that was known to have been destroyed by the Greeks and then brought back to life under the power of Rome. And in fact, in a lot of their stuff, they wrote about their city being resurrected. And so they are a new city. And under Rome, man, they were a vibrant port city. And this is important. They were a vibrant port city. They had streets that were kind of like the streets of gold. They had the plate. It was called the Golden Way. And it was all, I mean, if you want to live in Smyrna, it was just one of those off-the-chain places. Like the people there are wealthy, are rich. It's a great place to live if you're into all that Roman stuff. Because, see, they had multiple temples to multiple gods. And there was one temple that the emperor built to himself. In fact, Emperor Domitian was, uh, after Nero, was one of the worst emperors to persecute the Christians. And every year in Smyrna, every citizen had to come to that temple or to the marketplace and burn some incense and say this, Caesar is Lord. And they would give you a little certificate that said, you pledged your lordship, your allegiance to the emperor. And it may not have been, you didn't have to literally believe it, but you had to compromise and say it. And so they had to pledge it. And many Christians didn't want to do this. And so what happened is they were arrested and tortured. Some were sent to the 
uh, jail to be killed. Some were sent to the lions to be uh, torn apart in the games. And those who would win the games, what would they receive? They received a wreath like the little uh, Caesar's pizza guy, right? That little crown of garland to say that you were the victor uh, in these games. So it was very important when Jesus says to this town who was resurrected, he says, but guess what, church? I am the resurrection. It wasn't Rome. Rome making resurrect this city, but I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the one who can resurrect you. Somebody say amen. amen. And so he says it to them, and he says, uh, I know you're poor for your praise. In the middle of this rich, wealthy city, you're impoverished. You are destitute. In fact, if you did not uh, worship these gods in the marketplace, nobody wanted to trade with you. You could set up a booth to sell your watermelon or whatever it was that you were selling. Nobody wanted to come to you. Nobody wanted your booth next to them because this guy, he, he's weird. They don't, they don't worship like the rest of us. They're not like the normal society that we have. This is a very pagan, sexualized, over-the-top culture. And we don't look like them. You don't belong here. How many people see that in the way that world is going today? You don't you don't believe and vote like we do. You don't believe and do what we do. You don't tolerate our views. You don't you don't let it. Okay, you don't belong. They excluded. They marginalized the Christians. And for that reason, some of these people were legitimately poor. I'm not talking about like, hey, I'm in a trailer poor. I'm talking like I am barely making it with my wood stove and my family eating bread poor. And for the sake of Christ, Jesus says, you know what? I know your your praise has brought you into poverty. And while you may be in one of the wealthiest cities and they think you are poor, I'm going to tell you something. In God, you are rich. How many know that's true? In God, you're rich. And he says, guess what? Guess what? I know there's some people slandering you. Remember what Jesus told them in the early church? He said, I know you're going to be hated. You're going to just know this church. You're going to be hated for my namesake. But those who endure to the end will be saved. And so he says to them, he says, I know that some people are slandering you. There were some Jews, you see, and Jews were excluded from all this worshiping of the gods in Caesar thing. They had an exemption from Rome. And so the Jews began to slam and say, we don't want these Christians in our synagogue. We don't, we don't get along with them, and we don't want to lose our status because they're kind of weird. And they begin to make fun of them. They begin to tell them that they, they are cannibals because they eat of his body and they drink of his blood. So they were like weird, crazy, charismatic people, man. They, they speak in tongues. They do all this weird stuff. They even like disown their own families, this cult they called Christians, and come in. They're telling them, good morning, brother, good morning, sister, so-and-so, good morning. And they're like... They left their families. They don't go to their family. Their families disown them. And so they begin to slander them and it begin to threaten their existence. And now we find this group of devout followers, poor in one of the wealthiest cities. They are persecuted for their praise. And they are, about, they are being slandered and about to face jail. And Jesus says, don't worry. You may feel like you're losing the battle. You may be standing at death's door. You may be feeling like the game of life is about to be game over. He says, but guess what? They may throw you into that game and give that other dude the crown, but I will give you the crown of life. Don't you know that would be encouraging to hear? 
He says, I know what you're going through. He says, I know. I know. Isn't it good to know that Jesus Christ is in the know about what you're going through? He says, I know what you're going through, and I will give you the crown of life. Let me tell you a little bit more about Smyrna, and I'm going to talk about why this applies to you and me. One of the number one things in Smyrna that was traded was this thing called myrrh. I have some right here. How many people are essential oils people? Anybody have myrrh at home? Okay. The town of Smyrna, where we get the word myrrh, one of the, one of the, that was in their name, was one of the number one traded things in Smyrna was myrrh. What was myrrh for? Myrrh, if you smell it, Pastor Christian, you want to smell this? You don't know? It's kind of a bitter... I don't know. It's not a good smell, but it overcomes a lot of things. Some of y'all probably drink this. I don't know. Uh, it overcomes a lot of things. It's a bitter, a bitter, strong smell. And myrrh was used for a lot of things. In the ancient world, it was kind of an antiseptic, but it was definitely mostly used uh, in embalming the dead. In fact, ancient pharaohs would be just wrapped in this stuff, and it was from a tree, and they would take the sap out of the tree, let it harden, and they would crush it. And they would either crush it and burn it as a incense, or they would crush it and mix it with oil and make a perfume or an ointment. In fact, the anointing oil for the priests in the temple had myrrh in it. But most importantly, it was used for the embalming of the dead. So when we would say myrrh, myrrh had this symbol of death. It represented death. It, it had that understanding that it's about embalming the dead, and it was overcoming the stench of death. So when Jesus says to them, I know that you're about to even go to death, but don't worry, I'll give you the victory. I'll give you the winning ticket. I'll give you the crown of life. He's speaking to a people that feel like I'm in Smyrna, but it's more than just the name. It's more than just what here. But I feel like the stench of death is very real. And maybe today, maybe today where you are in your situation, it feels like you can't smell anything else. It feels like everything in your life it may be falling apart, or maybe you've been in that season before where things seem dark and grim, and it turns you in. It's easy to go through this life and be negative and to be sarcastic. No, I know, I was a negative, sarcastic person before Jesus. It's easy to turn in and look, always see the glass half empty. It's easy to go through this and, and see defeat and think, well, I'm never going to be like this, or God's never going to do this, or all I see is hopelessness and, and death all around me, the destruction of things this world has offered me with my marriage or with my children or with my finances or with this economy or this job or or just everything I see. My wife and I were talking last night and just how serious the world has become today. When I can, we were talking that about just even on our church services years ago when we grew up that people laughed a lot more. How many know this is true? Have you noticed? People don't laugh as much as they used to. People don't hang out and socialize as much as they used to. People don't joke around as much as they used to because the world we live in is permeated by these end times to know that darkness is on the face of the world. And there is a stench that Satan has put in it called death. There is one question they were probably asking themselves 
needing something to hold on to, no doubt you're thinking, come on, let's just be real. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it being a Christian? I've, lo- I've been impoverished. I am persecuted. I'm in pain. I'm about to go to prison. Is it worth it? What do you have in your life that's going to make everything worth it? Think about it. What, would you, what do you have that puts a smile on your face in the morning, that gets you through some of the darkest days? What do you have in your life that's going to put a jump in your step or a joy in your heart that says, you know what? I know the darkness of death. I know the destruction of the enemy. I know the pain of loneliness and despair. But guess what? I've got someone who's dealt with death and has perfumed my praise. I have Jesus. Somebody say amen. You have to, church, to get through these darkest days ahead. You have to have something that can overcome everything else. If these people, how did they go through this? They had nothing to hope in, nothing to live for, no reason to go through this, but they had someone. They had someone. Let's look at this. They had someone. These Smyrna Christians had the smell of death all around them, but they had to have something that dealt with the stench of death and perfumed their praise. I told you the anointing oil of the priests in the Old Testament had myrrh in it. Why is that? Myrrh is symbolic of death and oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Myrrh is symbolic of death. When they would consecrate this priest, it was for two, really could think it's twofold. Number one, that priest had to die to his sin. His sin had to be dealt with with death. They had to deal with the death. And the second is he had to be separated to the point of the Holy Spirit. He had to be separated to the anointing and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And in all of this, when Moses tell, or when God tells Moses, Moses, I want you to put myrrh in the anointing oil. Just a couple verses down in Exodus chapter 34, I believe. Exodus chapter 34. He says to them, sorry, Exodus chapter 25. He says, these are types and shadows of heaven. And in fact, it was going to be a type of a coming great high priest. One who is going to deal with death and perfume our praise. You see, sometimes bitter things are purifying. How? You think about what James says in James when he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let this endurance have its perfect result. Nobody wants to read that chapter. Right? Come on, let's be real. What are you talking about, James? He says, guess what? you got to go through bad stuff so you can be perfected and complete, lacking nothing. James, what are you talking about? Then Peter comes along in 1 Peter 1. He says this, guess what, guys? You can greatly rejoice, even though for a little while, if necessary, you'll be distressed by various trials. Why? So that the proof of your faith, which is more precious than gold, which is even perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in what? Praise. And glory. Sometimes bitter things are purifying. Listen to me. We don't preach messages on suffering and sorrow very much in the American church. We want poverty. I mean, we want we want pleasure and we want prosperity in the American church. But the Bible is full of messages that say, guess what? Sometimes you got to go through a little bit of death, a little bit of suffering, a little bit of sorrow. So your praise gets a little bit more sweet. 
so that your praise gets a little bit more higher, that you've got to deal with some things and let somebody in your life deal with the death of this world for you because you can't get through this world if you don't deal with the death and the smell of it and the stench of it. And then, because if you try to just perfume your praise and do it your own way and just say, okay, God, what do you have? Two smells that don't smell very good, right? People in this Christian world are trying to be happy without letting Jesus deal with some things in their life. You understand me this morning? That oil, that myrrh, it meant dealing with the death and then letting the Holy Spirit perfume your life. And he says, this is a sign of someone coming after you. Look, watch this. Follow me this morning. Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 33. I think we have it on the screen. Jesus went to a place of death. He says, Moses... Put this myrrh of death in the anointing oil. It's a sign of a Christ that's coming. He says in Matthew chapter 27, it says, And they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, or Golgotha in the uh, Latin means Calvary. He says he came to a skull place. He came to a place of death. If you would have gone there that day, it would have had the stench of death. This is where all of the men who were crucified and criminal, there would have been blood on the ground, bones on the ground, vultures flying over. They left these men up on the cross for weeks and days for the birds to pick out their eyes. This was not a good smelling place. And it says they took Jesus to a place that smelled like death. You know what death smells like? They took him to a place that smelled like death, a place of the skull. And what did they give him? They gave him wine to drink mixed with gall. Gall, in some translations, in, in, in your Bibles, is going to say myrrh. Gall is myrrh. They gave him wine mixed with myrrh. What does myrrh symbolize? Death. It says, after tasting, he was unwilling to drink. This is good news. After tasting, he was unwilling to drink. This, this, uh, Myrrh, in the ancient times, if they would have mixed it with a strong wine, soldiers and shepherds and different people uh, like to do that. And they would often give it to criminals in these last in these early days because it was an idea to make it numb, to numb the pain of suffering and kind of get a little drunk and kind of take the edge off uh, because you are about to die. And it says that they put it up to his mouth on a stick. They dipped it in there. It was a common courtesy to do that. It said he tasted of this myrrh drink, bitter, wine, nasty stuff. And it said he would not take it. Why? He would taste it, but he wouldn't let it overcome him. Listen to me this morning. He wasn't going to be influenced by this drink. He would taste it, but it would not overcome him. He would taste it, but he would not receive it. You listen to me this morning. Jesus tasted death, but he would not receive it. He tasted it, but he said, nope, I'm only going to allow it for three little days. I'll take a little top of it. I'll take a little taste of it, but it's not going to overcome me. I'm not going to let this death affect me. I'm not going to let it overtake me. I'm going to just take a taste of it. Jesus in a place called the skull, he dealt with the stench of death, but it did not overcome him. That's good news. It did not 
overcome him. That moment would have, the stench of that moment would have permeated anybody's soul. He tasted it, but he did not receive it. You see, every believer today has got to see Christ. We're talking about seeing him. Because if you see him, you're going to see yourself rightly. Every believer must see Christ and who he is and what he's done because what he gives is something that's overcoming. He perfumes our praise. Look with me in Hebrews 2, verse 9, because this verse is going to bring it all together for us before we close. I, wa- I begin to shout in my heart when I begin to read this verse this week. Because look, look at what it is. It says, but we do see him. Everybody say, see him. Because it's all about getting clear with Christ. You've got to see him and who he is, that he has dealt with the death and perfumed my praise. It says, but we do see him. What did he happen? He said he was made for a little while lower than the angels. He humiliated himself, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death. What did he say he offered the crown? What did he say he offered Smyrna? The crown of life. What happened? How did he get it? He says, because of that suffering of what? Death. He tasted it, but he didn't receive it. Because he tasted it, what did he get? He got the crown of life. It says he was crowned with glory and honor. What happened? So that by the grace of God, he might just have a taste of death for everyone. You see, Jesus didn't receive death for you. You got to hear me this morning. Jesus wasn't overcome death. He didn't he wasn't overcome by death. He didn't receive death. He just had a little taste so that you and I might too not overcome by death. He received it or he tasted it, but he did not receive it. And because he was offered the crown of life, he was offered the victory that day. He can come to anybody like these Christians in Smyrna and like you and I here today that feels overwhelmed by the death and darkness of this life. But because he went to the place of death and he dealt with it, he says, now, church, you've got that old stench out of the way. Don't worry, I've dealt with it. Now, all you got to do is let your praise get a little bit higher. All you got to do is let the aroma of your praise get a little bit bigger. Let's let it fill the room now because we've dealt with the death of our life. All we've got to do now is just fill this place with some air freshener praise. Come on, somebody. That's all you got to do. It's done been dealt with. And you have to see that in your life. Because the devil wants nothing more for you to just be discouraged and down into destruction and despair and hopeless. He's saying, I'm slandering you. I've got death for you. I've got destruction for you. I've got poverty for you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am the one who makes all things new. I'm the one that gives the resurrection and the life. I'm the one that gets the crown of victory for you because I tasted it for you, but I did not receive it for you. Somebody say amen. Lastly is this, because it gets better. Everything with Jesus gets better, right? Everything with Jesus gets better. Look at the next slide. Jesus' whole life was baptized in death. It began at the very beginning with some magi. What they give him? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. At his birth, they gave him death. There was two times in his life where he was anointed on his head and his feet with an oil and myrrh. A prostitute and Mary, both right before, one at the beginning of his ministry, one at the very end. His ministry was baptized into death. On the cross, they offered him death. And then Nicodemus, 
A believer who was transformed by a born-again relationship with Christ took him off of that cross. Him and Joseph laid him in a new tomb. And Nicodemus spent half of his fortune. He took a hundred pounds of very costly perfume and myrrh. It was an offering for a king. Listen to me. It was an offering for a king. Why? Because kings don't get to smell like death. You see, when they would embalm those kings, they didn't want that king to smell, have any stench of death on him. They would pound that oil and pound that perfume. And so when Jesus went in the grave for you and me, he had no smell of death because he had tasted it, but he didn't receive it. And Joseph on that day and Nicodemus on that day made sure. I don't know what it smelled like in the natural I don't have a clue. They didn't ha- he, I know he didn't have any stench of death. I don't know what it smelled like in the natural. But in the heavenly, in the heavenly, here's what Ephesians says from God that it smelled like. Ephesians 5, 2 says this. On that day he had loved us and he gave up himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God. Paul says this. He says, it was a sweet smelling aroma. You see, Jesus... He don't smell like death. He's a fragrant offering to God. And because of him, your life, your life, he's dealt with the death of your life. He's dealt with the destruction of your life. He's dealt with the slander in your life. He's dealt with the pain in your life. It's all been dealt with on the cross. But when you see him today, he don't have any smell of that. He has tasted it, but he didn't receive it. He says, guys, all I want you to do is perfume your praise. That's your life. That you could go through this life and these Christians on the way, no doubt. Can you imagine these pastors, these deacons, these elders, these volunteers at the church of Smyrna, disowned by their family, rejected, forsaken among men like Jesus, going to this prison and they know they're going to be beheaded and tortured or given to the wild beasts. And they can sing, Oh, to Jesus, I surrender all to him I freely give. I can just, you can hear them singing. On the way, because why? He had perfumed the praise of their life. Do you have that today? Are you, are you a happy Christian? Are you a joyful Christian? Are you someone that is singing as I go, right? We used to sing those old songs. Keep me singing as I go, right? Father, I pray. Worship team, would you come? Lord, may we have something that gets us through the darkest death filled times of life. God, as we see you high and lifted up, exalted, that you have tasted death, but you did not receive it. God, you were only in that tomb for three short days, and then it got up. And Paul says that the grave was swallowed up in victory. Lord, on that day that the sting of death had no longer any sting. Father, I pray today, Lord, for every person in this room, God, we don't have to be looking down at this world, overcome and sour by the things we see around us. We don't have to listen to the labels that people give us, even if we're marginalized for holiness, if we're set apart, Lord, for destruction by men, Lord, if we're passed over for those jobs, for our righteousness. God, you said, blessed are the persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God, may we see things 
rightly. May we see who we are in Jesus. Lord, I pray against depression. I pray against oppression. I pray against despair. I pray against the lies of the enemy who slander. God, we stand fast today and know you have dealt with death. And Lord, all we have to do, Lord, is lift our praise a little higher. All we have to do, Lord, is sing unto you a new song. All we have to do, Lord, is just look up to the hills and the mountains where our help comes from. All we have to do, Lord, is see you high and lifted up. You are the great I am, Lord. You are the resurrection and the life. You, Lord, are the winner. Lord, you are the victor, Lord. Give us faith, Lord, to overcome. Give us a heart of worship, Lord. Where are you at today? Are you overcome by the things around you? Have you been dealing with things that have been overcoming you? That have put a sour spirit in you? You say, Pastor, today I'm going to deal with that death. I'm going to give that thing to Jesus. And I'm going to turn those trials into a testimony. I'm going to turn that fear into faithfulness. I'm going to turn all those things back around and say, Lord, my God is my winner. He's my victor. Whom shall I fear, Lord? Holy Spirit, come. You just allow the Lord to speak to you this morning. Before we leave this place, most important part of the whole day right here is your decision on what you're going to do with the Word of God. He says, Blessed are those who hear. Let him who has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. What's God saying to you today? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Maybe today you need to get your life right with Jesus. You were to face true death today. You don't have a place in eternity with Him. You don't have a hope. You don't have security in Jesus. You can make that decision today. Come up here in a moment. Find a place to pray. One of our leadership team, our elders, will meet you to pray with you. Maybe today you have been overcome by things around you, circumstances the devil has put in your place, put in your way to make you discouraged. You say, Lord, I'm going to perfume my praise. How many people here today say, hey, Pastor, I'm going to make that decision today. I'm going to take that decision. I'm going to take that circumstance. I'm going to turn it into praise. You hear say, that's me, Pastor. You just raise your hand. You say, hey, I'm just going to affirm that to the Lord. The thing I've been going through is now praise. God, I'm not going to let that trial, that persecution, that tribulation I'm going to make it into praise this morning. Father, you see these hands. You know what they're going through. You know. You said you know. You are a God who's walking in the midst of the churches. You're a God who's holding them by your strong right hand. God, you know what every person in this room is going through. Lord, you know what they need. You have provided it on the cross on Calvary at the place of death. You've dealt with it, Lord. Maybe we receive it by faith. How many people today say, Pastor, I receive that by faith? Just say amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? All across this building, we're going to go out singing some praise. Got a few minutes left. Don't worry. Don't get in a hurry. We're going to perfume our praise. If you need prayer today for anything you're going through at all, you want someone to pray with you, I'd encourage you just come. You can stand. You can kneel. Find a place.